0: Welcome to my Beauty Fuel Food by JJ, a yoga and wellness expert from New York, living in Paris. JJ seeks out creatives and entrepreneurs who exemplify a vision of how to live a good life. Welcome to our very high vibrational lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jen, who is here from tuning in from New York um, and is the founder of Third Ritual. Jen Tardif, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's my pleasure. So for those of us who don't know much about what Third Ritual is, can you give us a bit of a brief description?
1: Sure. Um, so Third Ritual is a mindful collective, and you know we have teachers, um, seekers, makers that are, are located in all corners of the world. Um, and we really founded it on the notion that when you move half as fast, you notice twice as much. So everything that we share from, you know, mindful objects to in-person workshops is intended to help people um, inspire a sacred experience by way of these these really simple rituals.
0: That's so funny. It makes me just think of like my first experience of actually like being a really type A person, like slowing down and I'm going to use a yoga example, even though like it doesn't only apply to yoga. I remember being in like a yoga class and being in like not even a vinyasa class and seeing someone next to me, like just going so fast and being like, oh, my gosh, that's usually me. How good does that feel like to actually be able to observe that? Um, definitely apply it to what's going on right now with the Corona crisis. Um, as we're all kind of being forced to slow down, um, what do you think, how have you been applying third ritual to your life at the moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, that, um, analogy you shared about yoga is, is really true. I think sometimes as, um, as a teacher, you know, of, of movement we often joke that the entire sequence or the entire class is, is leading up to the most challenging pose, which for those that practice, you know, is, Shavasana—it's lying still at the at the end—and I think that there is this bait and switch that needs to happen in a culture that is so driven by effort. And um, you know, we're still pretty new into what's what's happening right now um, with you know social distancing and the effects of the coronavirus. And and yet, I um, I'm also observing just this real resistance in myself and um, it's, it's kind of like the withdrawal that follows an addiction to being busy and being productive. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm a mom. So in addition to running the business, I have to take care of my family and we didn't have uh, very much time to plan for the lack of childcare. And, and so it's, it's been interesting to just notice even in myself, the ways I'm resisting, um, being present and, as much as i I'd, I'd love to sit here and tell you you know it's it's easy to practice what we preach i think that part of what has you know inspired us to even even create third um, was the fact that we're we're very much both you know learning um, and and sort of in the seat of of student and teacher at the same time
0: yeah i think that that's something that's super super prevalent in our culture and actually i mean even on a personal level i think that The first time I actually was forced to sit with myself like in my entire life uh, was about a year and a half ago when I was no longer working a full-time job. And I actually got like super depressed because Mm. I never had to sit with my emotions. And I think that it's really interesting that you bring that up that even though we're kind of forced to sit here, like we're not really doing that and we're finding other ways. How are you guys keeping up third ritual with the fact that we can no longer really be so well with social distancing, really?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, our offering is, is sort of equal parts tools and, and techniques and, and traditionally the way that we would share that was through um, the products that we, that we create, and then also through in-person gatherings. And so while everything that was scheduled in by way of, you know, classes, workshops, or, or even our retreat has been, um, have been postponed indefinitely, um, we're still you know, able to, to share the, the tools that we create. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but the, you know, the first one that we are, are probably the best known for was um, something called the Bell, uh, which is a solid brass candle holder, and it uses fire, gravity, and, and sound to measure time. So you put a pin in the candlestick, and as it burns, the wax melts and eventually the pin drops. And it sounds like a Tibetan singing bowl. Um, it was something that we, we really wanted to, to create as an analog um, companion for meditation that uses the senses to help draw the participant back to the present moment. Um, but what's been really interesting is that over time, more and more people we'll use it for practices that are even new to us or ways that we hadn't imagined, like lighting it at a dinner party or, um, you know, using it to time creative writing or painting so that you create this little container that you're filling with, with the process and not, you know, having to to be drawn right back into your phone or messages and notifications that await you at the end. Um, And then we also make, um, apothecary blends, which you know right now, luckily are still really relevant, I think, as people are like washing their hands several times a day. Um, one of our products, which is called Moon, it has activated charcoal in it and it has it has moonstone and it's really gives you this like matte finish in addition to being moisturizing. For us as we formulated, we're always so geared towards um, not just how something makes you look because we felt like there was enough of that and that space was so saturated but how this, this makes you feel. And so I think that, you know, while, you know, we're not hosting necessarily a gathering, even doing something like this, like talking to you today, or um, it sounds kind of silly, but we put a lot of thought into, you know, even our Instagram, because really we have an intention behind everything that we share. And even if it is like a little post that we make, um, the goal is to slow people down mid scroll and to add in those reminders that, something that seems on the surface, like it is very mundane, like washing your hands, it can actually be this portal into the mystical if you infuse it with a little bit more awareness. And, you know, maybe you're reciting the same mantra every time you do so, or, you know, every time that you're drawn to check your email, you also check in with your body and and your breath. And just those little tiny tangible acts can be a way of forming habits. And eventually those Habits, you know, create a new state of, of being, which I think for many of us, um, this can be, you know, a, a sort of a blessing in disguise um, as a way to to reset and reprogram.
0: I absolutely love uh, the idea and the concept of your products, and it's funny what you were just saying really makes me think of this this one interview that I did, and after the interview, I I can't I said to the interviewee, I was like, wow, your teeth are so white. And she was like, yeah, you know, that's funny that you say that Um, because she had discussed, you know, and talked a lot about this one period in her life when that was really difficult for her. And one of the meditative things that she learned was, you know, when she's brushing her teeth to really concentrate on each tooth, how these things can really just become, these rituals can really make us become present. and then." you know, as to funny as like have white teeth. How did you come into all of this personal work? Um, Yeah, so it it sounds kind of silly to say that it's been a lifelong pursuit, but
1: that's that's my most honest answer. You know, I didn't have the vocabulary for it at the time, but as a child, I definitely gravitated towards these um, sort of rhythmic routines as a means for creating some semblance of control in what was, you know, pretty, pretty chaotic of an of an environment. And so I was lucky in that um, I found my way to this work first, you know, through through mindfulness and and meditation and then yoga and um, just continued to kind of pull on the threads that would unravel um, different pursuits. So have studied everything from, you know, Taoism to aromatherapy and, um, and really been, you know, very lucky to, to find my way to some of the the greatest, you know, living teachers in these, in these respective disciplines. And um, I think though another way of, of answering the same question with an equally honest response is to, is to say that I I found um, my way here because I didn't have the answers and because I, I was, you know, looking for a way to feel more comfortable in my own skin, to feel happier, and to feel just more at home in the world. Because it it was sort of that like uh, desire to belong that that led me to to not have the answers by any means, but just to like keep asking the questions and keep wanting to to study and and to have reverence for the fact that you know a lot of times um, when you you like dip your toe in the pool, you realize that you're actually at the edge of a lake and then you start to wade in further and you're like, this isn't a lake, it's an ocean. And then, you know, once you're underwater, you're like, I'm not in the ocean. It's this is like the the sort of gateway to the universe that just keeps um, unfolding cycle after cycle and, and knowing that, you know, all of these patterns repeat. And so how can we, by way of um, our curiosity and our, you know, our, our just innate desire to um, move beyond ourselves actually foster like a greater connection. And that can be to, to, you know, just humanity, or it can be to nature. But I think that in asking the, the questions, you know, so many of the the answers are, are waiting.
0: Totally, totally, totally. I think um, there's so much to be discovered. And the more that we live, the more we realize that we're not alone or the most the more we have um, a desire to discover, the more we realize all really that you were saying, I find um, on a more physical level. Um, where are you from? What's your background? So I'm Canadian. I was born in
1: in Ottawa, Ontario, and which is the capital of Canada. And um, and then I, I grew up in um, different parts of Canada and both in Ontario and, and in Quebec. And then um, I moved from Toronto to New York um, to take a job at a startup. It was a it was a tech startup that um, it was kind of like the LinkedIn for for creative. So a way to showcase your work instead of just um, telling about it or listing it out in a CV format. Um, but all the while, as I was working in in you know product based marketing, I I had this sort of like secret life where I would leave the office and I would literally get changed <laughs> in in the bathroom of the studio um, because I really prided myself on sort of separating church and state in that way and and didn't want my my corporate colleagues to know just how invested I was in in yoga and meditation and. You know, I would kind of downplay the fact that I would use all my vacation days to lead retreats and, um, and to you know uh, be so immersed in in that world, and um, and then I was very fortunate to be part of the the sale of the company, and we were acquired by Adobe, like the company that makes Photoshop and all those great creative programs, um, and that was you know that was a really fantastic and a and a really. Um, you know, sort of like the ideal outcome um, for you know the professional pursuits, and yet I was really met with this this disconnect once again, where it it just felt like I I I wasn't actually funneling what was what existed in my in my heart um, with my output, and I wasn't the end user. I I didn't like wake up on a Saturday morning excited to tinker in InDesign. I think that's amazing, you know, that so many people yeah. do, but I just I just wasn't one of them. And, um, and so around the same time, some of my good friends um, were opening a studio called Sky Ting. And, um, and so I was really, and I know you're, you're familiar, very familiar with them. And, and so is your audience. And so, you know, I was lucky to, to be able to join forces with them and, and really be a part of this incredible community. And, um, and that really helped me lay the foundation for what would eventually become third, because, uh, while I, I love teaching yoga classes, and I love leading meditations, and I still do both, um, I always had this kind of this inkling that there was, there were other people like me who, who were curious about how to bridge the gap between what happens in, let's say, a 60 minute vinyasa class with, you know, how they show up at work at home and, and how mm-hmm. to integrate, you know, wholeheartedly. And, and, so we started by um, leading these in-person gatherings. And they're kind of like a tasting menu for ritual where we would build this central altar, always out of natural ingredients and um, very much inspired by the, the seasons and the element as they correspond to traditional Chinese medicine. And then we would move through practices like pranayama, um, aromatherapy, and um, even painting, guided journaling. Um, really, we've, done, we've sort of done it all at this point and and then you know those techniques um gave gave way to what we then um created as tools so the bell candle that i was speaking about earlier it's always the center of our altar which in sanskrit we call it the dristi it's your point of focus Mm -hmm. and um and everything that we you know are, are developing right now that we'll be releasing soon is is really built from you know doing a lot of listening and and hearing what our community wanted like Um, For example, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in the essential oil space, which is amazing, but people don't always um, know, you know, how to blend themselves or, or how to use it. Or if you get, you know, a little vial of, of oil, it feels so precious and you're not necessarily supposed to put it um, neatly, which is like the direct application of it on the skin. And so creating, you know, these products that that really look more like tools, like our apothecary line looks more like paint tubes than, you know, a beauty product. Um, it was very much like everything from having like a small orifice that it comes out of was to make sure that if yoga teachers were using it in Shavasana, that they weren't um, transferring bacteria. That's why it's it's antimicrobial. And, you know, I could go on and on, but there was, just, there was just a lot of, you know, trying to practice what we preach and and sort of listening to to the community rather than than telling them. When we started to eventually make the switch into into creating and making,
0: that's um, I think fantastic. It just makes me think of like this one time that I had a headache, and somebody next to me was like, "Oh, I have some peppermint um, essential oils, and they're like just rub it on your temples." And like I, it came out so fast, and then it got in my eyes, and my eyes were like, "Oh rip. no, yeah." <laughs> and I mean, I was completely fine, but it's just like a perfect example of. Um, Of exactly what should be avoided. And I love that story.
1: I really do. Because I think that right now as wellness, and even words like self care and ritual, they become ubiquitous. There's actually a lot of danger in that. Because just when you, you know, just knowing the word isn't enough to necessarily have the context um, to use it. And in some cases, that's, you know, acknowledging whose shoulders we're standing on when we participate in these you know, timeless techniques. And in others, it's, it's really like practical information um, that I think will benefit the the end user, like your like your um, story of getting getting the oil in your face. Um, yeah,
0: so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, of course. And it, it it's funny, because obviously, the intention was to get rid of a headache. And I actually gave myself more pain. So um, I, I'm totally with you. And I think that, um, it's really interesting also to speak about rituals because rituals are definitely something that I, I ask a lot about, um, on the podcasts. And, um, so I'm also interested to know, like, what are the first and the second rituals?
1: Yeah, that's, I love that question. It's one that we get asked, um, that we get asked a lot and, you know, the, the, so numbers are really important to us in the same way that um, you know, through shapes or, or stars, you can find these little portals, these little gateways into um, kind of a hidden language that can be you know, esoteric, but also quite practical and mystical at the same time. And so um, the, there are a lot of different reasons, but you know, some of my favorite are just quite simply that it takes you know, three musical notes to form a chord, three strands to make a braid, mm. three markers to divide time into past, present and future. And so we wanted to have a number in our name to signify the fact that this is part of a process and that we're not the first, it's not the most important and and it, you know, it's it's actually following this this lineage of sorts. And um and there you know, the number 3 is used in in a lot of rituals where um ritual actions are repeated three times it's it's very present in um in you know fairy tales and for us it it acts as this little container so that there isn't necessarily like a first or, or second ritual but that everything we do abides by this rule of three so that we don't just you know have sort of like an endless or or infinite Um, like free range but instead it it always has to come back to this little map that we've made so that our workshops maybe it's divided into body mind and spirit or um, you know our tools like I was mentioning with the bell we're targeting three senses at a time and in that case it's Mm. scent sight and sound
0: speaking of rituals on a different kind of ritual maybe or maybe not at all do you have any kind of rituals that you follow? Like when you wake up in the morning or in the evening? So many.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's, um, the, the bulk of my, my day, whether it would be apparent to somebody observing or not, because so much, so much of the, the effects and what is sort of alchemical about this, in my opinion, anyway, is invisible. And that's what what makes it a a practice versus a performance and I do believe that you know anything even something as simple as like making your tea if it's infused with intention it it can be this gateway to to connecting Mm. and 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 it counts and so you know right now um I was thinking about like what would be practical for people who are spending more time at home in some cases more time you know alone or with their families and Um, And I really do believe in in, you know, creating meaning from what would otherwise be categorized as as mundane. And so a simple act like making your bed in the morning or doing something for someone else or putting your hand on your heart and another hand on your belly and breathing deeply like all of those count and um, and shouldn't be, you know, Forgotten because it's the difference between what would be a mundane chore like making your bed and and a really meaningful gesture. It it just lies in the perspective of the doer. Um, So I have I have many, including the way that I I start my day, which is to heat up uh, water to warm milk for my daughter. She's one and a half, so she's still you know drinking her little bottle of milk when she wakes up Mm -hmm. in the morning, and um, and that's so important to me because it. You know, before I even like pee, <laughs> I uh, I'm I, I'm doing something for someone else. It's an act of of service, and I'm in service. And that I think in this in the realm of of self care, sometimes it, it has a very dangerous uh, thin line towards like self obsession. And um and so the idea of being in service to someone else is a reminder that like. It's not just about me and that I have I have purpose, you know, and then and then I go in and I get her and I always sing the same little song that we made up to wake her up. And no matter what else happens that day, I've I've set the stage um, that, you know, we are going to have a, a bias towards. Um, presence and, and, and that we're prioritizing each other and family and connection and, and therefore, you know, joy, not that it's always easy, but just that it's through the repetition, we, we refine that ability to, to connect those dots.
0: I love that. How does it continue? Well, right now it's, it's different than usual. <laughs>
1: because we are, um, we're coming up with as many creative ways as we can to keep her entertained. And, you know, I'm also trying to cram as much uh, work as I, I possibly can into her. Like right now she's napping. So we, you know, quickly jumped on on this call. And I yeah, do think it's important to acknowledge that, that context because the last thing I'd ever want to do is you know, feed into this idea that um, I, you know, I do see in some, like, wellness publications out there, which is like this idea that you wake up in the morning and drink a glass of lemon water and have a perfect right. day. Like, that's, like, that's not true at all. You know, like, the in, the intention might be there, but it, it can actually be quite messy sometimes. And, you know, like, there are days where, like, I aspire to have a really, you know, rigorous, yoga practice and move my body. But in actuality, I'm like eating a scoop of, you know, peanut butter while trying to get my daughter dressed. And then um, maybe I'll do like a plank pose while I'm playing with her. And and I have to allow that to count. Because, you know, it, it, uh, it rather than go into like a shame spiral and, and feel guilty, which I know, for me personally, is not helpful, I'm going to be less even less likely to come back to the practice the next day, I have to abide by this, you know, this mantra that the like the small is sacred and that um, it, it does have to be sort of one step at a time. Um, one of the other rituals that I've been really steadfast about, though, and it's going to sound like a shameless plug, but it's honestly true, and it's it's why you know it's why we like we we created Moon, which is our, our first apothecary blend is to do palm inhalation. I I struggle a lot with a bit of insomnia where I I feel so tired physically. And then the moment my head hits the pillow, everything that I hadn't done that day kind of comes flooding forward, which gives me a lot of anxiety. And so I've, I've started to um, create these little steps that include, you know, I put moon on my hands and on my feet, and then I do practice palm inhalation. I have a mantra that I repeat as I breathe in and breathe out. And It just helps to signify in the same way that dimming the lights and putting our noise cancelling machine on and closing the shade all of that by way of the senses i have the the scent that now acts as a trigger the sensation of the like velvety lotion on the skin and um and and you know by by noticing my breath and breathing deep i'm i'm helping my my to tell my nervous system and to instruct it to um, move out of you know fight or flight mode and and towards this place that's that's safe and I think that that um, even though it is so subtle is is sort of where I'm at right now and I think that it's you know we're asking people a lot by by saying okay stay home stop socializing you know stop um, you know going to work and and I think that it's it's important to to kind of underscore the ways like making your bed or or breathing deep, or putting lotion on your hands, like, um, or making yourself a tea that those are those count, like those are forms of self care. And I, I kind of want to like start this campaign, maybe you can help me to like, even rebrand that, because it's not really self care, that's, that's the key um, to, you know, uh, improvement, but it's, it's self compassion. And so if that's, Uh, If that's a a necessary ingredient to all those actions, you're going to be you're going to see much greater return.
0: I think you're totally right. And I'm totally down to start the movement with you. So I totally hear what you're saying. It's about creating like these moments and these things that are important. And it's it's you know, it's almost kind of like that the idea when people are like, oh, I should meditate more. I need to do this more. And then when it becomes like a necessity of a thing to do, because it's going to somehow make you feel better, it's more of a task than self than something that's compassionate towards yourself. I really, really, really appreciate everything you shared. And I really love what you guys are doing with third ritual. I think you guys need to come to Paris. So I would just like to finish um, by asking you um, one final question that I really like to ask at the end. And I want to know for you, um, what is, what is your key to success? You know, like in life, not Does it need to be professional? It can be social, personal, self.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I feel
0: like... I, you know, I had
1: even a bit of a wave of imposter syndrome as we sat down to record this. So I appreciate, you know, your your questions and the conversation. And for anyone who's listening, I I, I just super appreciate their time and their attention because it's it's such a gift. Um, And so to answer your your question around success, I think. For me, if in hindsight I look back at um, sort of the opposite, like when I've had these quote unquote failures, or or like the, the hardest times in my life, usually it's I'm I'm the cause of my own suffering, or it was you know a mindset or a perspective issue that um, was you know forcing me to um, forcing me to to fail, and um, I think that the the antidote to failure is is really being willing to define your own success so a really simple but tangible example is with third for a long time I, I thought you know I have so many friends in New York who started these incredible brands and I felt like it either it had to be really big or it didn't matter and um, yeah. and it, it was only you know towards the end of last year admittedly that I, I kind of I realized that like, what if, as just as our name suggests, there's this third way, you know, and it could actually Mm. be like medium sized and meaningful. And that the fact that we, you know, aren't venture backed, and we are a tiny, you know, team that this is like a very much like a family business, like, maybe that could actually be a strength, if we looked at it through a different lens, and that even, you know, by way of the constraints that are imposed by you know, not having a a huge budget, it's like that, that could lead to more creative solutions. And so I think that um, in, in summary, you know, my key to success is, is about reframing the story.
0: Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank
1: you.